Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, a listener shares a game that she used to play with her grandmother and how it was the game that was the first notice of her grandmother's passing. A young boy goes out to check on the cattle with his grandfather when he encounters something already in the fields. A rather stress-free job in the outdoors becomes nerve-wracking to say the least. And a treatment facility can be a tough place to work, but it's even tougher when the residents aren't living. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. I'm interested in the treatment facility. You are. Is this like an abandoned one, or is it like running and there's just extra residents there? We just have to wait and find out. All right. This should be uh, interesting. I'm excited about that one. I don't know. There's something about the haunted hospitals that are kind of creepy and fun. Uh Uh-huh. There was a a miniseries on years ago. I have the DVD set of it. I've never watched it. Um, About uh, a haunted hospital. It's called Kingdom Hospital. It's a Stephen King uh, series, and uh, it was like a big ABC event for like, I don't know, like a summer or something. It was just like a multi-episode, one or half season type run. It filled up many more hours than just like a, a, a like a miniseries. It's like two hours or something like that or three hours. Okay. Um, it was a little bit longer, um, and it always looked really creepy. And I, all I got out of it was the previews. <laughs> Every, I just liked watching the previews to this thing because it looked so creepy. Every time I tried watching the DVD, I was, I don't know, I was kind of bored or I had something else going on. I don't know. I bought it like probably 12, 13 years ago now. Huh. Maybe it was on VHS. <laughs> Maybe how old it was. Oh, wow. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. There's just something about the uh, the creepy old hospitals that... Uh, that get me. I love those stories. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can always write it on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. You know, it's interesting talking about creepy hospitals. I I, I have that, that eeriness of them, uh, more so from books and, and movies than ever actually feeling creeped out in a real hospital itself. Okay. Have you ever, I mean, other than like an abandoned or a reclaimed hospital like the one in Traverse City, uh-huh. um, have you ever felt 
weird in a hospital? Like, ghostly weird? I mean, there's institution weird, but there's... I haven't. The feeling I associate with hospitals is anxiety. Sure. Because of the reason I'm there, visiting whomever, or whether, for whatever reason, I'm going to the hospital. There's Mm -hmm. usually a lot of anxiety. And so that kind of overrides everything for me. I'm so tied up in that that I can't pick up on anything else. Yeah, I never get the ghostly stuff. Mm -mm. I'm usually morbidly curious the first time I go into a hospital of what the what sort of food service they have what that's like (laughs) I don't know why when I was a kid the hospital we had had the kind of the cafeteria-esque style Uh you go along take the tray get the jello get the this they had like a little ham carving station Uh it was kind of nice actually I was like oh excited to eat at the hospital but uh, now there's like hospitals sometimes have like the little food court area if you will sometimes they have their own little kitchen cooking I don't know honestly I don't mind most hospital food. That's something a lot of them really have something going for them is the cafeterias. Yeah, some of them aren't bad at all. I can't say I've had a bad meal in a hospital. I'm sure plenty of people have had bad meals in hospitals. Well, but. especially some people around here that ate ice cream. Oh, yeah, there was that incident. Yeah. with uh, Was it Listeria they found in uh, uh-huh. the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Three people that we know of. Or that we don't know, but yeah. that they know of passed away from that. That's disturbing. Yeah. When you're in the hospital, what ends up getting you is the ice cream cup. Well, imagine being in the hospital, having your tonsils out. You want ice cream. <laughs> and the ice cream kills you. The sick part of the whole thing is the slogan for that company is taste just like the good old days. Don't. What? You're just going to make this awful. What? Well, well, my thought was, you know, good old days like before like pasteurization (laughs) and things that kept disease outside of ice cream and things of that nature. So I guess, yeah, quite literally, just like those good old days before food safety, you know, and I'm not trying to make a joke of it, but it's just kind of an ironic twist, you know, Uh when you think of it. So, yeah. Anyhow, 855-85. You think they're going to haunt the hospitals now? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Charlie writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I wrote into you guys a few weeks ago, and I haven't heard my story read, but I'm sure you get a lot of submissions. If you'd like me to uh, resend it, I'd be uh, happy to. I'm an EPP and listen to you guys several times a day. Thanks for giving people like us an outlet to share our experiences and indulge in our curiosities. This is a different story that happened to me about two years ago, around the time that my grandmother passed away. My grandmother and I were not on speaking terms at the time of her death. She could be a fun-loving person when she wanted to be, but she also had a dark side involving alcoholism and caused a lot of rifts in my family. After I got married, I decided that I did not want her toxicity in my life, and we had stopped speaking. As for what happened, here's a little backstory. When I was a kid, my grandmother used to play a game with me. We'd sit on my bed, and she would hold her hair to make it look like it was in pigtails. She would tug on the pigtails, and we would jump up and down while singing songs from her childhood. She'd always say that she was a little girl named Nancy Jude. It was a weird game to me, even then, but uh, then again, my grandmother was always a little odd. As I got older, I'd always jokingly refer to her as Nancy Jude. About a year and a half after the last time I spoke to my grandmother, I began to feel a tugging on my hair. Nothing aggressive, just a gentle pull. At first, I thought my hair was getting caught under my shirt or a bag or something like that. 
I think it's worth to note that my hair was fairly short at the time, so it was pretty unlikely that it was actually getting caught on anything. When I would check to see what was causing the tugging, there was no logical explanation. This mysterious tugging happened on a Wednesday and a Thursday. On Friday of that week, I received a phone call that my uncles had discovered my grandmother's body in her home. She had apparently died of a heart attack and had been dead for several days before she was found. The fact that she had been dead on the two days that I had been experiencing the mysterious tugging did not escape me. A few hours after I received the news, I remembered the tugging and couldn't help but wonder if it was my grandmother's way of reminding me of Nancy Jude in the game we shared. Maybe it was her way of saying goodbye and letting me know the she understood why we were not in communication. I have no regrets for not speaking to her up until her death, and now that she's gone, I'm able to remember her in a fond way. The tugging experience is one that comforts me and makes me feel like maybe she is in a happier place now. Thanks again, and have a great night. I think it probably was the grandmother just trying to say goodbye and go back to a time where they didn't have that rift. Yeah, when it was a happy memory for her. Yes, and that was something that probably only the two of them would have understood. Sure. So I like that. Yeah. I wonder, and this is an interesting thing where I look back at things from my childhood and go, oh, that's what that's really called, or a misinterpretation of something. Uh-huh. I'm wondering if the grandmother was saying she was Nancy Drew. Well, that and, and you know, maybe... She, Chris said it wrong or yeah, and the, or not Chris, but Charlie said it wrong or something. Yeah. And it came about Jude. Cause you know how little kids say sure. things weird. And so then it became Nancy. Jude. Yeah. And that's how she interpreted it her entire life. Uh-huh. And, and never really, it's just, it's an interest. I mean, because Nancy drew was a popular children's book. Possibly. I don't know how old the grandmother is, um, you know, but it could have possibly been in her childhood and she may, as they were talking about stories and stuff like that from, from her childhood, and I wonder if she had said Nancy Drew, and the kid picked it up as Jude. Uh huh. You know, like you know, our little one says completely. You know, you know. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of them right now. Um, well, she says, "Oh my Josh." Oh my Josh. Instead of "Oh my gosh." Yeah, there's a lot of them. So yeah, I could see that being something just the two of them. Sure. Would understand. Yeah, that's a Nancy Drew mystery right there. There you go. The ghost of the tugging hair. That's great. And what happened? What will happen, Nancy? Did you ever read those? No. They were targeted at girls. That's why I was wondering. I had a set that belonged to my mom, and they were old, and they stank because they were <laughs> old, so I didn't read them. You don't like the smell of old books? No. It's kind of a, a distinct... It depends on what the old... There's there's varying degrees of old smell. These were funky like my grandmother's attic funky. I didn't want that. Mothballish? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's, that's a bad thing. I don't like that. I don't like the mothball smell. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Here's another uh, letter. Hello, Tony and Jenny. You guys were pondering the other day as to why Mexican, Central, and South American cultures seem to be so accepting of ghosts. I can only speak from my perspective being Mexican. I think it's that our cultures are not that far removed from our indigenous beliefs. The idea of spirits and life energies are not strange to us. Also, uh, Catholicism, being the major religion, gives wiggle room via the beliefs of saints. That being said, I'd like to share one of my paranormal experiences. My childhood home was an old brick garage that my father had turned into a small house. 
It was in the middle of about 15 acres of avocado grove. To make rooms for my sister and me, my dad simply built a wall dividing the space in half. Then one of the halves was halved again to make the kitchen half became a small living room. He then added a bedroom of the main structure. You'll see why I needed to explain this as it plays into what happened. One day, I was about seven. My parents had a fight, and my mother decided to sleep in the living room, just outside my sister's and my room. We all went to bed, feeling the tension from the argument. At some point during the night, I awoke and could see what I thought was a shadow moving along the wall between my room and the living room. It took me a moment to realize that the shadow was white instead of black. Realizing this, I fully awoke and saw that this white shadow was actually a woman walking across my room. She was all in white, in a long, flowing dress. She seemed to me to be half in the wall, moving from my right to left towards my parents' bedroom. I closed my eyes, but I could still see this apparition. Somehow I fell asleep, scared to move or make a sound. When I awoke early the next morning, I jumped out of bed and flew into the living room, desperate to be with my mom. She was not in the living room. I pounced on my parents' bedroom door. My mom answered from inside to come in. I stepped into their room and asked why she was there with my dad, since she was so mad at him the night before. She then told me how late the night before she had woken up and saw a woman in all white walking across the living room, half in the wall towards their bedroom. She had gotten scared and went to my father's side. When I told them what I had seen, my father decided we would go to Mass. It was Sunday. This never happened again, and I never heard of any tragedies on the properties. I was scared of this ghost, but was glad that my parents had made up, even if it was, with some paranormal help. I have many more encounters I'd like to share with you and your audience. Your show is great. Thanks. I think if I were mad at you and sleeping on the couch, which wouldn't be the case anyway, because you'd be on the couch. If That's I, not if fair. If I saw a ghost, I would probably be wanting to make up pretty quick and come back and, and not be in, in that room by myself with the ghost. So I like that the ghost kind of forced the parents to make up. So I'll just break out the Ouija board. No. <laughs> That's all I got to do. Bring something to the living room. <laughs> That'd be interesting. And it, what, what's interesting to me is the parents were not at all afraid to tell the child before they heard that the child had heard or had seen the, the paranormal That's thing. true. They did share that first. Just let it, hey, no, well, I saw a ghost in the living room. That's what, it, you know, yeah. usually that's a little more, well, we just decided to, to make up. Or the kid says it first and then they're like, well, yeah. I saw the same thing. And so I went, left you out here, but I went to bed. Yeah. So, you wanted you guys to fend for yourselves with the paranormal. <laughs> we didn't quite know what it was. No. Demon, yeah, you never know. We're just having fun, but no, it, that's interesting though. Yeah. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, if you enjoy our show, maybe you're a new listener to us on uh, Dark Matter Radio or you found the podcast recently in one of the many services, uh, we ask that you help support the show if you like it. You get a bonus episode every single week for doing just that and access to all of our EPP bonus episodes and video. It's great stuff, premium extra content for you. 
for your donation of $5 a month. Uh, your support helps keep our show on the air, and that's our little thank you. You can sign up on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you in advance uh, for doing that. And thank you if you already are one of our EPPs. Michael writes in, when I was about five years old, still living at El, uh, still living in El Salvador, my grandfather and father were visiting to check and review the status and agriculture conditions of the crops and trees as well as the cattle and horses on my grandfather's land. My uncle, who was about 15, had remained with me in the back seat because it happened to be a much hotter day than any other, and we preferred the comfort of the air conditioner. As my grandfather and father left the land barrier to walk to the next settlement and avoid the drive, my uncle and I remained there for a while. How long, I don't recall, but I remember becoming anxious and bored enough to leave the car, telling him I'd just play around the pickup truck, which I didn't. Now the car was parked at the center of the main dirt road entrance to what initially led to the official parking area, so a radius of space remained around the car so that anyone, if anyone uh, were to pass by the upper entrance, what was also the main road, would directly see the car or anyone around it. On the other side was a long gate, which was covered with plants and vines, and this separated the parking entrance side from the main fields, which the horses would run and wander. Against the gate, facing the field, was a bar-like sink with a table, and next to it, with a small gated compartment to settle the horses in and straddle them prior to releasing them to the field. The horses weren't there, so I decided to walk away from the supervision of my uncle and managed to walk far away enough to pass the long gate covered with vines. I watched the field in front of me, and as soon as I realized I was off his radar, I turned to the right to what I expected would be the empty horse compartments, and beyond that, the barn and other animals. There was a man at the sink bar. He was heavy set, short and dark, as if sun-beaten in the fields, and he had the regular attire that anyone in the region would. A formal, bluish, beat-up flannel with dull olive pants, a belt, and a tight straw hat which hanged low, completely covering his face. He was probably around 50 to 57, so I began walking towards him because I, of course, still a child, assumed he was just one of my grandfather's workers, but I knew he wasn't one I had ever seen before. As I approached him, I realized he had the water running and chopping at an animal with a machete, separating the meat from its integument. This wasn't out of the ordinary to me. I had seen basically my whole family do this, whether to cook at the spot, to inspect for the general group, or to trade or sell by the nearby market or so on. He seemed to be in a trance as I came closer. I realized how much of a mess there was in particular, both by the water from the faucet and the blood of the animal which seemed to appear now like a rabbit. I recall saying hello and waving, but still he paid no attention, and I realized that the end of the table was a gold watch. As I kept my eye on him, I slowly moved my feet towards the watch, and when I got close enough, picked it up to inspect it. When I looked back up, the man still seemed in his trance, as if my presence was the one to be questioned for acknowledgement. So I took the watch, placed it in my pocket as I decided to leave around the other side. When I got back to the car, I told my uncle everything I had seen and that had happened. He then followed to tell me that I should take the golden watch back and that if he does happen to be one of my grandfather's workers, I may be in trouble. So I left the car and again went around the gate. The man was still there, undisturbed from his previous routine. 
I got close enough to him and told him that I had found the watch and that I believed it to be his. The man didn't reply. When I realized how hopeless establishing a conversation would be, I placed the watch beside the corner of the sink and continued along my way back to the car. Normal, right? Once I got to the car, I realized the man was following, not so far back behind, but he seemed as if he were sleepwalking. I told my uncle, and he, without a thought, reached to the front of the passenger seat to lock the doors of the car. At this point, I recall my child reaction, panicking as I saw the man approaching the car and just standing there, watching and wondering, side to side of it. He seemed mad, but... Something about his face was just unrecognizable, like a blur. He came towards my side, and I began to feel horrified, and my uncle began to try to settle me. I kept pointing and telling him that the man was there, and he told me to just stay quiet and that he would leave. Everything about the situation told me that something was really wrong, and as I saw the man lean against the tinted windows to look, I began kicking the window that he was at with my feet and screaming even more as my uncle now held me down, trying to prevent me from shattering the glass or hurting myself. He tried to maintain his own fear, which I realized was now clearly cemented in his face. The man wasn't banging the car or jiggling the handle, but it was that same silence and zombie-like act that was throwing a warning flare for me to stay completely away from him. As I looked at the man and back at the entrance path to the main road, I realized then that my grandfather and father were now turning and walking down. My uncle flung his door open, which was facing them, and screaming for them to come. As they looked in, confusion, they ran, hearing me hollering about the man. Between the time that I looked at the man and turned to look at them, the man was completely gone. My uncle told them there was someone trying to get in the car. My dad quickly sped around the car and ran towards the fields. He came back to say that there was no one there. Both my grandfather and my father searched the whole place, and when they asked my uncle what he had seen, he told them that he hadn't seen anyone at all, that I had gone to the field, talked about some man and a watch, and then came back screaming and yelling that someone was there. He said that he was frightened because he really thought someone was there, but that as I was pointing and telling him, he couldn't see anything. At this point, I told them what the man was doing in the sink and how he looked. We all ended up walking towards the other side of the fence, and the sink was spotless. No blood, not even a sign of any water droplet from the faucet. The sink was hot from the undisturbed heat, but not hot enough to evaporate the mess I had seen earlier, and the golden watch was definitely gone. Till this day, I recall the man leaning against the car window, looking straight at my uncle and me as I tried to bury my face in fear against my uncle, who was trying to calm me down. Years later, probably when I was seven, my other uncle and I were horseback riding by the far end of the field, and out of nowhere, he said, a man lives across that river, pointing across the handmade controlled waterway. This region was a wild, forestry, bushy region. One could hardly see what was right beyond the front trees without being completely obstructed by the plant life that dominated it. And they say he used to meet here around, meet around here with the devil, you see, he said calmly. He was a witch, and he walks around here whistling, so don't walk near the river alone, he finished. And as we headed back to the horse compartments... We could hear distant light whistling, a long, uncomprehending tune, but still definite enough to 
differentiate from any normal wind or artificial howl sounds. It was coming from the same direction he pointed to. And none of us said a word. I like that one. I really like the twist where you think that the brother can see it too. But no, he can't. It's just the one who wrote the story that can see it. That's disturbing. <laughs> it's a good story. It is. A, it's a one of, I, I think it's one of my favorites. It's um, good. Just the idea of going to the barn. I mean, because you're wondering, is it an animal he's chopping up? There's a watch there. Yeah. You know, is it, did the guy take it off when he was chopping up the animal? Is it the watch of the person he's chopping up? <laughs> you know, what's the story on that? Why is he not responding? It's almost kind of breaking badish. It's good. I kind of had that sort of a imagery in my mind uh-huh. on this one. You know, like Tuco chopping somebody up and just some kid getting in the way. And he doesn't want to hurt the kid. Just make him go away. <laughs> You know, and maybe he'll, then eventually realizes he has to go say something. But uh, that's God. What do you think it was? Do you think? Do I you, think it was a ghost, and I don't think he was chopping up a body. I think he no. was uh, skinning a rabbit, maybe. It just sounded like it was somebody that maybe used to work out there. Okay. But, you know, that's scary when you don't. You don't know if it was or not, Mm -hmm. and you don't know why they're upset because he returned the watch. Yeah. And I think it's neat that he could actually hold that watch, and he had it long enough to take it and set it back down. Sure. It's just very, yeah. It's a good one. I got got nothing other than that's just a creepy-ass story. (laughs) So that's what I'll say about that one. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Do you think it could have been like, a ghost reenacting something that it had once done there? I think it was maybe a residual energy, but it seemed to go after the kid. That's that, what I thought at first. And there's a consciousness there mm-hmm. it's following, and it's just interesting that it just stood there staring. I mean, that's that's even more creepy is the fact that it doesn't open the door. You almost want it to try and open the door or break the window or something, but just to get up there and just to stand and just to stare. And just lean in and look. It's like how my mom can scare children sometimes. (laughs) Does she stare at kids? She can give this look to children, complete stranger children, like if they're really acting up. Uh I remember like just being a kid and going to like the store or whatever it may be. And if there's like some kid acting up in line, you know, maybe like bumping the cart or something and it's, you know, running into me or her or just, you know, just not behaving. And the parents aren't doing anything about it. She doesn't have to say anything. She just goes and gives them this look of death. <laughs> and if they catch her eye, um, at least when I was a kid, they would respond. Uh-huh. And they'd like, they'd stop. I don't know how well that works anymore. Yeah. You know, just with how children are. But I wonder, uh, I mean, I, she had that power. <laughs> <laughs> the look of death to children. I wonder if that's all to ask her if that still works. <laughs> I don't know. There's too many parents anymore that are afraid to do that. We need more parents like your mom that randomly yeah. help discipline kids in grocery stores. Well, now you have the parents. How dare you look at my child like that? And and it's like, well, then get your kid under control. Yeah. You know, or don't take them to the store. There's your options. You know, so I don't know. And it's like, well, you don't know. Yeah, I know what it's like. I have kids. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what it's like. It's like you really got to pick your times to go to the store. Or leave if they're mm-hmm. going crazy. That's kind of your options. So 
I don't know. Uh, Kelly writes in, my brother wrote in to tell you, uh, talking regarding my uh, crazy Uncle Axel. Do you remember Uncle Axel? Give me a refresher. Uh, The grandfather passed away, and Uncle Axel was the grandfather's son. And he chopped up the grandfather's house. (laughs) He told Kelly's brother, Kelly's brother had been staying there with Axel. Okay. And Axel came in and, and kind of told him, to leave and he just kind of went nuts chopped up oh the house. yes yes I and remember there was this a shadow one. person involved in scaring kelly's brother out of there and everything yes. so it all it's all coming back to me now that's great and i'm going to just say that and not sing it thank you i appreciate that you don't want me to sing a little celine no just a little bit none we should get one of those harmonicas that you know the tuning ones no not gonna you do that like, either give me the key of d major and then i can just <laughs> Uh, I have a few stories of my own. So my first story was about my imaginary friend when I was younger. Before I was born, my mom suffered a miscarriage. Well, at the age of five, I started talking to a little person called Millie. She became my best friend. However, when I got older and told my mom about Millie, that's when she mentioned her miscarriage and how she was going to call the fetus Millie. I haven't seen her since, but have been told by a medium that she's around. Now to my next story. A few years ago, an elderly man walked to our house and stood outside. My brother, the man who wrote in before, had asked the man if we could help him. He said he grew up here. Anyways, after about an hour, he mentioned his late mother who had died in our kitchen. I can't remember her first name, but let's call her Mrs. Dalton. After that day, my family and I have heard strange noises. My bedroom is above our kitchen, and sometimes I hear cups and glasses moving below me while I try to sleep at night. It still goes on today. That's all I have for you at the moment. You may hear more from me at a later day. Okay, if they hadn't found out that Mrs. Dalton died in the kitchen, do you think they would have ever noticed anything strange about the kitchen? Or is it one of those things, now it's in your mind, now you're going to start seeing things? I, I they just distinct the cups and glasses and all that sounds are sure you know that's they connected some dots mm-hmm. certainly so I, I that just kind of depends I would not want some random person coming up I used to live there and my mom died in your house hey by the way yeah so, uh, so you wouldn't want that knowledge no if I hadn't figured it out on my own no I don't want to know you're in the house no okay what if you had strange things happening? Would you then want to know? If I had already had strange things happening, and then I found out, okay, then I'd be like, well, at least now I kind of know who it is. If I never had that knowledge and strange things were happening, I'd just handle it any other way mm-hmm. by just asking it to stop. Okay. But I don't want to know if I'm completely content and happy in my house. There's nothing going on. I don't want to know if somebody died in my kitchen or wherever. There was a mass murder in your laundry room. Because that ruins it for me. <laughs> well, we can't do laundry there anymore. Just yeah. break it off. <laughs> Jesse writes in, Hi, I live in southeast Iowa and I run a business that manages properties for deer hunting. I put in food plots, manage the ground, and timber management. I manage 13 farms, and out of the 13, I've had six experiences. I took uh, uh, One took place in October of last year on a farm near the Des Moines uh, 
only a few miles south from where I live. On Saturday, I was cutting trees and saw uh, my saw died because I ran out of fuel. As I took off my hearing protection, I heard drum beats of which sounded like Civil War drums. It was odd, for there were houses nearby, but who would play Civil War music out in the country? I have friends who are into Civil War reenactments, and none take place in this secluded area. Throughout the week, I had a younger gentleman, I'm 24 and she's 18 with me, cutting trees, and occasionally we'd hear people call for us or Indian chants. It was odd because he would be on one side of the farm and I on the other, so it wasn't one of us trying to contact one another. The most frightening experience I've had was on that uh, week he hollered over the radio. Jesse, there's something out here. I'm hearing people talk all around me. I went to him and pulled out my phone, turned on the voice memo app, and started an EVP session to see if uh, see what they wanted. If you want the recording, I have it, and we'll be happy to send it to you. Nothing talked, but I did get a growl when my guy said, Oh, sure, it stops when you come up. This is one of many, but I'll write or call more in the future. Thank you guys for a great show, and keep up the good work. That stinks. You know why? Because going out and being outside and being able to manage those fields where people go to hunt, that's a pretty, I would imagine, pretty nice, low-key job. You would think peaceful, maybe relaxing, some would say. And then that stuff starts happening, and that just really, that drives your nerves crazy. It kind of takes the peacefulness out of it a little bit. Yeah. And you're out there kind of by yourself. Or with one coworker. And yeah. You guys are kind of doing your own thing. But and- you're, you're separated, you know, like he's over the radio. Yeah. You know, so it's, you're not always together. That's the part where, yeah. I think I would always want to be like just side by side than with my, my coworker, just in case. I just think that. That stinks. I mean, because <laughs> that just ruins it. Ruins nature? Well, it ruins the, the peacefulness and the low stress of that job. Because he's got to go back and refill those things for the deer and go mm-hmm. back and check on those properties. Was there battles in Des Moines area in, during the Civil War era? I mean, that seems fairly far north. Yeah. I don't think so but there's going to be somebody write in and tell me i'm wrong yeah i don't know if there's i mean obviously there's there's a lot of you know native americans in that area so i mean that 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 part to me makes total sense Uh uh-huh i mean there's that whole area um but the civil war thing i i don't know i mean i i I could be completely wrong well they have he said he has reenact friends that are reenactors sure i'm reenactors all over they're really all over? Yeah, like, they're way up north. I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, they're not just like in the... The affected states. Yeah, okay. yeah, they're all over the place, all over the country. Um, so, I mean, that... But if they're, you know... You know if you're walking in on reenactors. That's yeah. that's pretty obvious if, if that's what you're, is going on. Right. But to be out there in a very secluded area... I don't know. Very, very interesting story. Thank you for uh, for writing into us with that. The number is 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. Hi. Okay, here's my story. Um, I've had a lot of experiences throughout my life. This is one of my earliest ones that I can remember. I was four years old when my sister passed away. She had leukemia. Um, 
a year later, my my dad passed away, and my mom was having a really hard time with it. And, and so she would oftentimes go to bingo or wherever, and my brother was supposed to be the one that was supposed to watch me because I was terrified to sleep in my room because I shared it with my sister. And I remember one night, I was laying in bed. My mom said, make sure your sister sleeps on your top bunk. No, 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 she's not sleeping in here. And he said that he was in his bedroom talking to his friend and he could hear me talking to somebody because our bedrooms were right next to each other. Well, he pounded on the wall and he said, who are you talking to? And I replied, I'm talking to Jamie, which was our sister. I remember her sitting there plain as day, um, just like she had been there all my life. We were talking about silly things. She was playing dolls with me, and then all of a sudden she disappeared. So, yeah, that's one of my earliest, earliest memories of paranormal experiences. Um, It was awesome having her there, but it was also terrifying at the same point. Thanks for listening to my story, everybody. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you for the story. Thank you for the call and sharing that with us. We have some information about breaking news here. <laughs> breaking 170-year-old news. Breaking 170-year-old news about, we were talking about the battlegrounds, and what, do you, what did you find out? Okay, well, anytime we have one of those I don't know moments, I try to Google it here on the spot, and I did not realize that there were battles fought along the Missouri-Iowa border, which only makes sense, Iowa being a northern state, Missouri being a southern state during the Civil War, because we had the same thing here along the Kansas-Missouri border, so Mm -hmm. I don't know why I didn't figure that out. So we learned something today, that Iowa did have a role in the Civil War, so it could be drums from that that's the more you know music don't do that again (laughs) we learned something we did learn something don't turn it into a reading rainbow moment oh reading rainbow i wasn't even thinking reading rainbow take a look it's in a book a reading rainbow let's read a story and not recite the lyrics okay let's have a reading rainbow moment over here I wish I had the music from Reading Rainbow right now. Oh, by the way, if you do like Reading Rainbow and you have not seen this yet. It's the best thing ever. You have to take a look, Google this or YouTube this. um, Jimmy Fallon doing the Reading Rainbow theme as the doors. It's hilarious. Oh, my God. If if Reading Rainbow was part of your childhood in any way, shape or form, uh, just Google it. It's hilarious. And we realize we're about three years behind on that, that that's old, but it's a classic. Yeah. So anyway, check it out. Uh, Kima writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. I've been listening to your show from iTunes for a couple of weeks now after my mom suggested it to me. I'm on episode 51, so I have many more to go, and I'm looking forward to listening. I have two stories for you, and I apologize if it's a little lengthy. My first story has to do with astral projections, which I have heard you talk about in several episodes. I've heard of astral projection before, but never made it the connection with my experience until you talked about it on your show. It was when I was maybe six years old. I used to wake up at 3 a.m. every single morning without an alarm clock. I know how much Tony loves 3 a.m., I just wake up, wait for the big grandfather clock in my house to chime three, go use the restroom, and crawl into bed between my parents. I have no idea how long I did this, maybe a few weeks or months. At any rate, one night when I did this, I went into my parents' room down the hall from me and was standing at the foot of the bed, about to climb up. 
The room was usually very dark, and I had to feel my way around the edge of the bed with only a weak light and uh, from a street light and the window, and a small one from the night light in the bathroom in the hallway. As I was standing there, probably uh, petting my mom's cat that slept at the foot of the bed, I looked up at where I knew my mom was sleeping. Just above her sleeping form, I saw her face and shoulders just hovering there. I knew it sounds like maybe she was sitting up in a bed watching me, but she was far enough above her body that it did not look the same, and I know for a fact if she had seen me standing at the foot of her bed, she would have said something to me. Plus, she was transparent and glowing faintly. I do not recall being frightened because it was my mother's face. She just smiled at me and faded away as I watched. Being so young and feeling no negativity or threatening energy, I shrugged it off and climbed into bed to go to sleep. My mom always thought it was a cool story because she did not sit up to watch me that night, as she always believed in the paranormal. In fact, she wrote into your show recently about my sister's experiences. My second story is much more recent. I've worked in Laramie, Wyoming for two years now at a residential treatment facility. The kids live on cottages where they progress through their treatment and there must be a staff on cottage at all times, including overnights. The cottage where I work was made specifically for deaf and hard of hearing residents, so the floors sort of echo so that it's very easy to hear or feel vibrations, the vibrations of someone walking around. I always worked overnight shifts with a co-worker, and we would hear things on many occasions. I remember oftentimes hearing the sounds of someone walking up and down the hallways, which we could see from where we were sitting, but nobody was there. My co-worker and I would exchange a glance as if to ask, Did you hear that? And assuming a resident is out of bed, we'd go check. The cottage is not very big, and we only had at most 14 residents at one time. I'd go do a quick check and find nobody out of bed or even awake. This happened frequently. It would frighten us both so that we did not want to go check our residence. One night we came into our shift at 11 p.m. and very early on we heard something fall off the wall. I went and picked up a board which had fallen and placed it on the table. Later in the night, sitting in a different room, we heard the same noise, and I said, Oh, another board fell in the dining room. We dismissed the noise and continued what we were doing. After a while, I happened to be up and went to pick up the fallen board, but there wasn't anything on the floor. I went back to my co-worker and said a board had not fallen. Her eyes got wide, and she said, Then what was that noise earlier? I told her I didn't know, and we were both thoroughly creeped out. I've also heard many other stories about our cottage from times when I was not on shift, such as one overnight when my co-workers went into the kitchen after hearing noises and found several cupboards and drawers open without anybody having been in there. I've also heard reports of sounds of laughter or whispering when the cottage is empty, besides the one staff that was completely alone. When I first started, I'd hear the girls say things about the cottage being haunted and them seeing a little girl by the laundry room who would disappear. I did not believe them because I had not seen or heard anything yet, and the girls who lived there usually had some sort of mental disorder, such as depression, bipolar, or borderline, so I shrugged it off as part of those disorders. Then I started hearing the noises, and now I believe them never felt threatened, but it's just a creepy feeling at night, which could very well just be my nerves. 
I don't know for sure. As far as I'm aware, the land here was unoccupied before the residential treatment facility was built, and nobody has died that I know of. This confuses me, but it makes me think of the school hauntings that you've talked about before. Maybe because these troubled teenagers spend a long period of time here. It's usually between one and two years that they live with us. Perhaps it's just some residual energy from them. Makes me think of poltergeists, which I've always understood differently than you guys talk about on your show. I've learned that poltergeist is actually energy from a living person that causes things to move. Sort of like a kinetic energy from psychic movies. So if I go with that idea, it makes a little more sense. Many troubled kids in one space can have quite a bit of negative energy, and perhaps that's what's going on. I don't pretend to be an expert on anything supernatural. These are just my thoughts. Thank you for sharing my story. Love your show and look forward to listening as often as I can. Thank you for putting this show together. I think it's a combination of the girls being the age they are, teenage years, having the troublesome issues that they're having. All that energy could absolutely be a, you know, a hotbed for poltergeist topics type activity now seeing the little girl by the laundry room that's different Mm -hmm. and they might be more tuned if you will to seeing some things because they are having the emotional issues and being younger so you know there might be more than one thing going on yeah, it's interesting with the the poltergeist because that that technically is more of what the meaning is as far as what what they described in the letter there. Uh-huh. Which is why you do sometimes have spikes in paranormal activity when you have teenagers mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um but yeah, I mean, I I I don't know what to make of it. I think there's more than one thing going on. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 that that's the confusing thing when you have a poltergeist because it you may have one cause there and then there may be something else causing this over here, but what is causing what is what is so difficult to figure out. Sure. You know? Very interesting story. Thank you for writing in and sharing that with us. Katie writes in, since I was a kid up to my current age of 28, I experienced many paranormal activities within my household. However, for now, I'll just tell one. I was a middle schooler when this event happened, and because it was during summer break, my sister and I were at home doing what we usually did, watching TV. Sometime in the afternoon, we suddenly heard a bang, bang, bang coming from upstairs. Now, the upstairs layout is as follows. Bathroom at the top of the stairs, three bedrooms on the left with a small hallway connecting everything. Thinking something broke or fell, I went up the stairs to go up to see what it was. With the bathroom door open, I saw the medicine cabinet open and then slam shut again and again. I screamed and ran out of the front door. My sister followed behind me after she saw it as well. We stayed outside on the porch until the banging had stopped. This lasted for easily 20 minutes. Gathering our courage and with hope that it was over, we went back inside. And when I went upstairs to look at the medicine cabinet, it was shut, and thankfully the mirror wasn't cracked or broken. This event happened one more time during the same year, and then two more times the next year. Same day and time. Stopped after that. 
enjoy your show. Listen uh, to every show on my phone, and I subscribe to it on YouTube. I hope you keep up the wonderful work, Jenny and Tony. Really love the uh, part when you give your opinions about the story. I do have more stories. I would love to share them as well if you'd honor me in reading them. Okay, same day and time. Does that mean same day of the week or same day of the year? Because if something happened in that house, Mm -hmm. certain day of the year at a certain time that could be residual over and over because we've had stories like that where something happens on the anniversary sure what are you thinking yeah i i i agree do ghosts that do that adjust for leap year i don't know i thought you were going to say something profound not a tonyism <laughs> that's not a tonyism i'm serious would they adjust for leap year Especially if it's like a really old thing, because that could totally throw off the date. If they know it's March 31st, whatever year, Mm -hmm. I bet you they can read a calendar just like we can. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's a legitimate question. I think that is fairly profound. No, it's not. Where it's like, well, this seems to be happening on the 8th, but the tragedy took place X amount of years on the 1st or something. Okay, we'll say roughly around the same okay. time every year. That could be sure. one of those spurts of energy of something that was probably terrible. <laughs> I go with the it, it being a residual thing and a spurt of energy uh-huh. because you said at the same time, for sure, like like time of day. So we had the whole leap year discussion for nothing. No, I mean I'm. I go back to the date, too, Okay. but I think it is a residual thing because of the time of day, Okay. for sure. Um, the day thing, the day of the year, I'm just curious about if that would play into, if, if there is a residual on a specific day of the year or something of that nature. Okay. Makes sense. What if it's on the leap year day? Then you luck out because it happens once every four years. <laughs> How's that? You have all the answers. <laughs> no, no someone's gonna cite you on wikipedia according to jenny bruski of real ghost stories online and that will be the this is what happens the worst wikipedia entry ever <laughs> that'd be very interesting if we uh, open up wikipedia someday and that's uh, suddenly we're cited on all of our opinions as like facts wow. on ghosts there you go 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories online and share your real ghost story with us. Of course, you can also uh, write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you want more ghost stories, you want our show to stay on the air and continue, well, please consider becoming an EPP. We need you to be one of those so we can continue to do this show, continue to fund this show, and uh, keep it going on. Five bucks a month is all we ask. Get you all those bonus episodes. And, of course, a brand new one every single week as well. So check that on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.